when there's money <laughs> when there's money at the line it doesn't matter if it's a dollar a thousand dollars five thousand dollars i'm gonna do anything to make those dollars right yeah and from and from there on my mindset just just completely changed you know it was like it, it gotta be like that Episode 160, Tank Slapping Podcast. Got a banger on deck for you guys. We're going road racing on this show, and we got a good one. We got Stefano Mesa coming on the pod. Oh, and and our our co-host just chimed in. Robbie Bobby's back, everybody. You got (laughs) Rob McClendon on the pod. I mean, I'm excited about this one. I'm happy to be invited, man. You told me uh, you had my little little spicy, what are we going to call him? He's got to be something like... uh, the little spicy Latino man, like the little, little scrapper. I don't even know what to call him, man. He's just awesome in every sense of the word. Yeah, Stefano, dude, that guy, he races everything, man. Every bike, every sort of like Weira, <laughs> Azra, all the fucking names, Moto America. Um, dude, he rides every single motorcycle imaginable. I, he might be a Rob, like the most underrated uh, road racer in America, man. He he does it all, and he's super talented. Dude, he's been like that for years too, man. And and, and uh, there's a there's a group called the Weir Forum that I'm on, and I know you've been on there before too. And and it's the same thing on there. Every year they're like, why has nobody picked up Stefano? And then you know this year the BMW team uh, gave him some support, and look what the fuck happened. Not that you know us casual readers slash old has-beens never was like myself. You know, not like we got 100% insight into everything, but uh, yeah, a lot of people know how talented he is and. And this year, he just opened up a lot more eyes. It was kind of like a breakthrough season. And um, it's so weird. I've known him since he was like six years old, but he still looks like a kid to me. But, I mean, he's he's clearly a veteran road racer by now, but he still looks like a kid. So he's still going to be a kid to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with him a little bit about all the bikes he's raced and his plans for the future. And, dude, he's riding. Uh, he went from a literally a super bike to a fucking e-bike hooligan to a super sport to uh he filled in for kayla yakoff on the yamaha twin uh even if you're one on it yeah 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 (laughs) first time on the bike it's crazy even if you're not a a big road racing fan stefano is a really personable and and funny guy so uh yeah we'll bring him on here in a minute Uh, i want to chat some flat track stuff rob but i want to quick plug a few of our sponsors uh mission foods our title sponsor of the show really appreciate everything they're doing to keep us rolling Uh, i saw they just signed a a new deal with the NHRA as their title sponsor. So that's, that's big. And yeah, I'm thankful that they are on board again with my events as well for next year. So yeah, they're still heavily invested in flat track and we appreciate everything they're doing. Appreciate Yamaha motorsports and Yamaha racing for everything they do. Check out their website, Yamaha motorsports.com. I have a brand new 2024 anniversary edition 450 sitting in my garage in Pennsylvania. I uh, can't wait to get on it and ride it. And then I want to give a shout out to, uh, Dunlop motorcycle tires, 19 inch, 17 inch flat track tires, off-road street. Um, man, they have, they have every, everything you need. Check out their website, DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. Uh, let's talk a little flat track, man. I haven't had you on in a while while we wait for Stefano, but dude, it's been, it's been pretty bleak. Um, not a lot of, not, not a lot of great stuff going on. S- still no schedule. Uh, what are things looking like on your end, dude? Mm, man, uh, 
You're usually God. positive poly, so I just I want some I want no. some unfiltered insight, dude. Man, I don't I I don't I'm never going to bite my tongue, as you can say. I mean, obviously, everybody's looking for the schedule. You know, I mean, I have not talked to anybody at AFT about the schedule, so I don't know if they're just waiting on contracts or what. Um, you know, I, I wish I had more insight into that. Um, I know they're. I mean, I don't know that. I'm assuming they're working hard on it, but yeah, it's kind of frustrating. I know, especially you know. Uh, we all we all know uh, and follow probably Eric Hartley too, and, and you know he's he's doing his service on on making the posts about no schedule, posting everybody else's schedule. So I, I get that part. Um, as far as personal plans, I I don't know, man. I'm I'm up in the air right now. It's uh, um, uh, our shop is is growing very fast, so I'm super sidetracked with a lot of that stuff as well. But I don't know, man. It's like the first time I can remember in a long time I've been kind of nervous slash skeptical um for a couple of reasons you know like you just mentioned the mission food signing a big deal with uh, nhra that's freaking huge my only question is you know is there going to be a big deal or renewal for flat track which i really hope there is because let's be honest man i mean everybody loves mexican food for the most part and i personally love the mission stuff and i love the support from them but man you got to wonder you know, I know they've been heavily invested now in baggers and they're, they've always been in other motorsports, but I just hope that it doesn't end up being like, you know, we get the short end of the stick and I've got a, I got a, you know, a nervous feeling about it, you know, for right reasons. And then you see the other uh, rumor that, uh, that Cody and, and Max are looking for a ride, which is, is huge. Um, so that takes two more top rides that people are going to be looking for, man. It's just, I don't know. I haven't been this nervous in a long time about the schedule or the series rather. Um, you know, and I'm just hoping that maybe we'll get a pretty good bombshell here soon. We need it. We need a good, uh, we need a good positive announcement in some way, shape or form. I think so. The positive announcement is going to be at the off season and the throwdowns coming up. And so is the clash. So the two biggest events in the world are happening like within a couple months. So we got that going for us, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the amateur stuff is, uh, is going to be popping off for sure. And yeah, I mean, I, too, I, I obviously I'd love mission, to support any kind of flat track they can do obviously growing up, you know, flat track guy and having family and friends and people that I, that I love racing in the sport, but at the same time, man, if there's no schedule the you know, I, I understand anybody who's frustrated. So it's, we did a full rules podcast on the last show and, and I, I was pretty negative and everyone's like, wow, dude, you're real, real, uh, honest and negative. I'm like, dude, I'm just calling it. Like I see it. Like it's been, it's been pretty bad this off season and it's, it's, sh you? it's showing. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Dude, it's been like three months since I interrupted you. So I have to get one in <laughs> chime in plus more, but dude, you're, you're exactly right. I just want to interrupt you on that. So proceed and I'll interrupt you again in a minute. <laughs> All right, man. I love you. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, dude. I just, I get it. So, and I'm not going to make this show negative. It like I did the other one. If you want to go back and listen to the rules podcast, I was, I was pretty, pretty annoyed. I was pretty annoyed more than anything. I was Wait annoyed. A like, Wait a second. Hold on. You were annoyed. So what rule did you, we're not going to get into the whole new thing. Cause you just did it because I do want to go off for just a second here, but I I'm, more know I'm more annoyed that it took that long. Like I, I, I always say the rule should come out in July, August. So everybody has plenty of time to prepare, uh, build their bikes, make plans. Like this the rules should come out way before even the schedule does. And then when they finally release the rules, 
I'm like, holy fuck, this is it. Like, this is what we waited months like to to announce something about the number plates and then a bunch of okay. stupid shit. Like, I just feel like that could have come out sooner. And then, uh, and I still don't, I, I'm, that's a whole nother podcast, but the, the Indian motorcycle going back and forth with the rules and giving them something, taking it away. Um, I said on the last pod that I feel like that was a rule trying to slow down Jared Meese when realistically he's going to be fine with the, with the restrictor thing. Like they're going to figure it out, but what AFT isn't looking at is how bad they're hurting the privateers. I mean, even this year, it wasn't like no any other Indian motorcycles were blowing by the other brands on the miles. It was just Jared winning. So if Jared doesn't win, do they change that rule? No way. You know, like that. it's just they're changing rules based on what's winning rather than, you know, looking at the other factors that helps that rider win or whatever. So I don't know. I could go on and on, but yeah, it's frustrating. Go ahead. What, what's You're your? Pop I saw you chiming in on You're... the uh, on the number plate. Oh the yeah, plate thing. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. So so first off, you know, I don't want this to sound like I'm bashing AFT. They've done a lot for me. I've done a lot for them. Like I I feel like you know for the most part, like we get. I, I think it's hard to really grasp, but we have come a long way um, in a short amount of time. And I, I give AFT credit for a lot of that. You know, there's a lot of certain things that I love, 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 but I wouldn't be doing this podcast or my 12 fans around the world, any service, if I didn't pop off at least one good time. And I'm sitting here looking at the rule book or the rules. And I'm like, of all the shit that we need to work on, why the fuck are we worried about fucking number plates? Number one, that smells and reeks of Chris Carr coming back and being like, this needs to be the old way, how it was, blah, blah, blah. So if it wasn't him, I'm sorry, I'm not making that, but whoever decided that the number plates need to get revisited needs to be freaking fired. There's way more shit to worry about than that. Number two, these guys have so much marketability in our sport that is not usable. And the number plates come right back at that. Show me any other series, NASCAR, uh, MotoGP, even Moto America now lets personalized number plates in. And they're all, all those vehicles are going by. Now, yeah, NASCAR's got humongous side panels. So I get that part of the numbers. But it's marketing, man. Like, it's freaking marketing. Now, right now, I can tell you certain people. Sammy Halbert's a good example. Look at his YouTube channel. Like, he's marketed that 69 in his own way, very well. Same thing with Jared Meese. He's got that number nine. It used to be number nine was always what? Springer? Springer, man. Right? Nixon, yeah. Springer, and then, of course, Nixon. You know, I'm sure there's some really old heads out there, that, and, and I love both of those guys. I consider Springer a good friend. It doesn't freaking matter, man. This is not that day and age anymore. They didn't have social media back then. They, there wasn't Instagram. There wasn't the social presence. And I know it seems like such an irrelevant thing. And then you got your old guys like, well, there's a fan in the stands I can't see. And somebody posted a picture of MotoGP guys, and you couldn't read the numbers. But guess what? By the design of their numbers and the color of their numbers and, of course, their leathers and their their personality or their personalized kits, we'll call them, you could tell exactly who they were. I could see every single one of them clear as day from a shitty picture taken a long ways away. So I agree with uh... – well, I'll, I'll chime in and then we'll bring uh, Mesa on. He's he's on the line, but I agree oh, with. Yeah, uh, sorry, Mesa. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I agree with. Uh, I agree with most of what you're saying. Like, I think the branding is important. Um, 
I I agree with that. I agree with the fact that um what well, they 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 just changed this rule a couple of years. It's just these, these the the rules they change. Like it's like the wheel rule where they gave us two pounds, they took it away, then they brought it like changing the rules back and forth is what's most annoying. But I will say, uh, I do like the branding. I I will say though, uh, no, it's no no offense to Maryland or Brandon or Brandon Price. I I really like Brandon, but his his plays were pretty. It, like I look at it, it would give me a headache, kind of. Like his were a little much. Like I All think right. the I think but the Rossi played, like comparing it to that. If it's a solid color, I think that's fine. But yeah, I I think he could have maybe not did the Maryland flag. It's like people from Maryland, they love, they love their flag, dude. It's all right. Well, well, another, well real quick. I know we got Stefano. So Stefano, don't cuss me out. Actually, you know what? I hope you do cuss me out, but I'm going to go off on one quick one again. and I'll leave you alone. But the Brandon price thing, AFT spends over a hundred thousand dollars a year. I guarantee you it might be even more than that because I know how much my system costs and we have very similar systems and theirs is just even more advanced. You can tell if a rider don't come by or if, if a rider goes down. Like the scoring system knows, like, oh shit, we're this ride. Like, not that you're not going to know if somebody wrecks, but it's like, they're like, well, you got to know who it was. Well, it's like, okay, well, what did y'all do back in the 60s and 70s before you had radios? You know what I mean? Like, now you have a radio immediately from a corner worker. Hey, Brandon Price went down. Yeah, he's got them silly looking Maryland flag plates. But more to the story than that, we'll go into the singles. Fucking yellow backgrounds, man. Like, again, Yellow fucking backgrounds. Every other series in the world, that means you're a novice. I agree. Beginner, yeah, I, I, hate, that is I hate stupid. Yeah, I hate it's it. It's freaking stupid. Make it a color that goes with everything, like black. You know, black goes with everything. If you're going to have that, if you're going to take away the rider's marketability, then at least make it not look like shit. And that yellow looks like hammered ass shit. So if a motor, if anybody's listening from AFT, like I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to put yellow shit on my bikes. Like that shit looks like trash, hammered ass. So that ain't happening. So yeah, they need I, to change another rule or they won't. <laughs> I agree. Anyway. At, at the end of the day, I, I just, it was frustrating that that's what they came up with. Like when they posted the rules and that's where my frustration was. It's like, wow, we're really changing this back when there are so many other things we could be doing right now. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to get on that. Get the little spicy, get the little spicy guy in here. Yeah, Stefano on the podcast, man. I appreciate you for coming on. You've been on my list here for a while, dude. And then uh I just saw a big, big job at Daytona, man, setting the track record. So I was like, you know what? I gotta get uh we gotta get Mesa on. And then I brought brought Robbie Bobby McClendon on to uh help me with this show. But Stefano, how are you, bro? Definitely. Thank you guys for having me. Uh yeah, definitely do doing super good after a good weekend at Daytona man can't can't really complain uh, everything went super smooth and went fast which is what it's all about freaking love it man look I'm gonna get right to the point Stefano uh why the fuck don't we see you in flat track like do I gotta just give you a bike to use and like you just show up and ride because I'm gonna tell a quick story here and, and I know it wasn't even remotely nervous to you but we were at the Arma Vintage Festival there's like thousands and thousands like this event is like the hugest event in the country. And I'm out there feeling like I'm fucking hauling ass, like just, you know, just shattering laugh records in my own head. And on the front straightaway, I feel this fucking thunderous blast come by me before I even realize what it is. And then you shake it to the left a little bit and you fuck back that fucker in at like 130 miles an hour with a smoke cloud right in my face. And I'm like, this fucking guy, he's wrecking. And then 
two turns later, I don't see you again. So fuck you for that. But that was awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, no, definitely. Uh, the flat track situation has always uh, called called me and uh, called call my attraction. You know, it's always been an interest in me. Uh, I've done a little bit of 100 stuff uh, at some of my friends' houses uh, and, and really definitely enjoyed it. Uh, one weekend, I rode a 250 in one of the events, and uh, it was actually a AMA-sanctioned event, and uh, I rolled up in my buddy's 250, and it still had a front brake on it, uh, and the guys didn't even <laughs> let me go out. <laughs> so, funny story. I was like, dude, I'm a road racer. I, I can't not go out with the front brake, and they didn't let me race, but uh, definitely. I want to I wanna try and make it up to some flat track events here shortly, hopefully. Hell yeah. How did you, uh, Corey, go. yeah, let's start kind of a little bit at the beginning. I mean, there's a lot going on right now. I want to talk to you about, but I kind of wanted to get your back. This is the first time you've been on our show and you're from Colombia, and you, now you live in Southern Florida. I think you live in like Boca Raton or down there, down there in between like Fort Lauderdale, Miami, that, that kind of area. But how did you, uh, get started in road racing? Like do your parents, do they have a background in the sport and kind of, how did you get, get started? And what age did you start riding? Uh, yeah, so I'm Colombian. Um, I started kind of riding motorcycles over there. I started doing dirt bikes. Uh, I did a little bit of mini moto over there right before we moved over here. Uh, we moved over here when I was about 12. We moved to Boca Raton, Florida. And um, from there, um, my dad just really concentrated on it. Uh, you asked if my, if my family had a background. And yeah, my dad, my dad had a background in the sport. Um, he was... Back in Colombia, he was one of the best uh, that the sport had. He was actually a factory rider for Kawasaki and Yamaha at some point. So the guy definitely had some talent inside of him. Uh, but yeah, we moved to the U.S. when I was about 12 uh, because my sisters were doing college over here. And um, we just went from there. We, st we started doing the USGPRU when it was still around back in the day, which was a great platform, I thought. Um, I was racing against Garrett Gerlov, Jake Lewis, Benny Solis, all the guys that are kind of kind of out there right now. And uh, just went from there. You know, I turned pro when I was 16 uh, when AMA allowed it back in the day and uh, did a lot of super sport. Then uh, kind of stepped away from the sport for a few years and uh, about six, seven years ago, definitely came back. Uh, I had a. I had a day job working for Pfizer as an engineer and uh when um when COVID came by they let they let a bunch of stuff go. So I really dedicated the, the my my life into the sport. Uh started really concentrating on making myself better. Uh and after seven years here we are, uh kind of doing a little bit better in the sport and trying to make a name for myself still. See, a lot of people don't realize that too, Stefano, because I know you were for a while there um kind of what they call a bounty hunter you would go to all sorts of like you were one of the few guys that could literally go and win a race whether it was asra ccs Wira, um obviously arma you were leading a ten thousand dollar pro race just this year until the last lap I mean, you've you've always been in the mix and and i wonder what it is that finally i mean you've always been a front-running guy but it just seems like to me personally you know and i've always watched your career but when you got the twins cup win at daytona it just gave you a whole, and I don't even know why, and I could be wrong, but it seems like that gave you this newfound confidence, and you've been on a fucking tear this season. I mean, if you look at your confidence just in one season, you got a Super Sport win, Twins Cup win. You were the first to 
I think whole shot on electric bike against gas bikes, which that company alone is pretty, pretty big and well-known, but they did a whole press release on that. So you got that, then it, you got the, the Cowie ride and super sport, which transferred into a super bike ride. I mean, dude, I don't know anybody else, maybe that other than Josh Hayes, that's ridden so many different bikes successfully in one year. Right. I mean, yeah, definitely. I, again, it's been, it's been a blessed year. This year was super amazing for me. And, uh, you know, I think the big difference was like I was doing um, I was doing this kind of by myself and with my parents. I was just just kind of doing a thing for myself and under my own under my own uh, kind of terms, you know, and uh, we were just showing up to some Motor Americas here and there doing the stock 1000 and the 600 and uh, definitely trying to battle with the top guys as a full privateer. You know, I was the guy kind of changing my own tires and pit lane. So. Uh, definitely showed, I think, that I had the talent and still having to do all of this. And I think uh, this year I owed it all to Tyler Cycles. They gave me a huge opportunity uh, pre- at the beginning, giving me the, the electric ride, as you mentioned, in the Super Hooligans class. Uh, the Energica has been a, a huge program for for the whole motorcycle community, I think. Uh, we've done a lot of name on that. And uh, I think from there, just everything started growing. Uh, Michael... Michael, the owner of Tyler Cycles, gave me the opportunity to to do my own super sport team, and uh, he helped me found, uh, fu- uh, fund it. So um, we went from there. You know, it was great that I could get my own guys in there and just definitely start working working from the beginning of the season, you know. And uh, we started putting results since the first race, and we did solid the whole season. So it's been a blessed year for me in the sport. Uh, we've We've really... I think we've really put my name up there and uh and I think uh we're doing really good in in the whole motorcycle situation right now. What is so is with your you mentioned you worked uh Pfizer or whatever but what is what how do you make money now? Um I mean you you rode a different a bunch of different bikes this year like are you able to I'm kind of naive with the landscape of pro road racing and and how how you guys make money um and hold I, on I, a second hold on wait wait i'm interrupting your ass you already know dude he just said he's from columbia man he knows escobar and all of them <laughs> <laughs> that's how we're making so, it <laughs> well you so rode dude you rode so many different bikes and i'm just curious on like did the super hooligan is that does that pay does that pay enough like how do you are you making enough that you can just do this as a career especially bouncing around on different, you know, so many different classes and teams. Like, how does that, I mean, you don't have to give me your tax returns, but like, how does it work? <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's been for, it's been about five, six years that I'm living off a of motorcycle since I left, since I left, uh, fi- uh, actually a little before Pfizer, I was already leaving motorcycles. When I went into Pfizer, it was like an extra for me, but, uh, um, I've been chasing a lot of contingency with uh, Kawasaki. That's why I ride Kawasaki's. Uh, Cause they're the, one of the only brands that have a, like a contingency program out there. So as Rob was saying, uh, I've been a bounty hunter for quite some years. So um, I pretty much go to every CCS and we event and chase all the, I only race whatever is going to pay me back, you know? So um, I only, I only race whatever Cowie pays me uh, in my club racing. I have a huge support with Pirelli that helps me out with tires so um, I don't have to pay for tires, fortunately. So it's been a blessing having these companies that help me as well, because that's how I've been doing my living, you know. So uh, 
yeah, I've been bounty hunting. And then this year, um, this year with Energica, uh, the first year was kind of like a, like a experiment to see what we could do. And uh, this year, uh, I was fortunate enough to give them solid results to get bonuses off of them. Uh, and same with the 600 uh, in the Super Sport program with Titlers. Um, Michael was funding the whole thing, but uh, I was able to keep my contingency as well. Um, so um, it's definitely been good. Uh, I was, I'm, I'm not sure, but talking from what I see, um, one of the only, I'm one of the few that are able to make a living out of this. Uh, so I'm very fortunate to be in the shoes I, I feel right now. Man, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's so <laughs> badass that you can prove that if you put in the effort and you really get down to business, I mean, obviously your talent goes a very long way too. Nobody's discrediting that at all, but you know, I actually am very happy and, and stoked for you to be able to say on this, that, yeah, you know, I busted my ass. We struggled as a family to get to the races and I put in the work and now like you're getting paid to race. And it's, it's even cooler, you know, cause I know on one hand, I've known you for so long. I know if you could, and if it paid money, your ass would be on a 250, a 400, a twins, a 600, like every race. Cause you don't really get tired. Number one, but you can win on all of them. So I get it that you go and you enter just the classes that you know like kawasaki is going to pay good in this class and then you know you know you got your pirellis covered in this class and then hopefully you get a contingency from them but even still the tire deal is amazing um and then i do know that um i want you to give a little shout out to your crew guys because i know for a fact you've had one dude there for a long time and he's also a good dude right yeah definitely i've had a i've, I've had a good crew with me and uh on top of that like i've been I've been fortunate enough to be working with good companies, as I mentioned, like uh, Yamaha Champ School as well, and be able to be coaching with them. And I've been I've been doing my own private coaching as well. And you mentioned uh, the Arma thing, the the Arma money race. Uh, I also chase all those big money races that are always around and uh, try and make a coin out of this, you know. But yeah, I owe it all to my crew. Uh, first of all, Tyler Cycles, and then I have my my main guys in there, which is uh, Michael Godin. Uh, Steven Roth and Seki Martinez, those guys this year really proved what they're about. And uh, I think we gave some solid results for for the whole season. And I think we really proved what we could do with a good, with a good package. For sure. Man. And I'll let Co – Co oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'll, I'll, just for the flat track fans out there that, uh, that are they're like, what does it mean being a bounty hunter? So it's like Stefano goes and runs the equivalent of kind of like big money outlaw races like back in the day remember like the the was it the dayton gypsies or something used to have like a thirty thousand dollar purse like in the off season and then you know so basically stefano looks at the schedules on which series is or you know organizations are putting up um the most contingency money from cowie the most you know return on his investment to grace otherwise what he's saying is that if it's just a regular old weir race that, that doesn't have any contingency or or purse or anything he's not going to do it you know what i mean it ain't like us flat trackers going to uh you know say an rpm race you know or or an outlaw race unless it's going to be paying so that's what i'm trying to say yeah well i was just i was going to kind of bring that up or tie it in a little bit i mean when you go to so when you go to a weira race or azra i, I think they're different i mean <laughs> i'm trying i'm naive to all these things but there's so many classes like when i when I look at the results, there's middle lightweight, 
super sport, middleweight, you know, like there's a million classes, man. And everybody, like everybody's posting after the weekend. I won the middleweight light sport, 600 super stock class. It's like, okay. Like, I don't know what the fuck that means, but, um, when you go to these races and let's say you go to one at, well, you just did Daytona, right? So you go to Daytona and there's good contingent contingency. Uh, what, I mean, is it, is it almost worth more to do those events than it is like a Moto America week, Moto America weekend? Like, um, I'm just kind of curious on, on what the contingency is like. Uh, and you mentioned Kawasaki is the only one that's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. So, uh, it's not the only one. Some, some other factories offer a little bit, but Cowie's definitely, I think the best one. I think Honda is just about the same, but pays less classes. Uh, but as you, as you, uh, as you asked, for example, in Daytona, um, I went strictly down there to pretty much Bounty Hound and also test tires for Pirelli for the Daytona 200. Uh, but I ran nine races and all those nine races, Kawasaki pays me something. Uh, and then in one of the races, I raced uh, BMW, one of the Tyler Cycles BMW, which is the bike I broke the track record on. And I raced that bike in that one class because BMW pays better in that one class. Right. So wow. I was fortunate enough that I could borrow a BMW to make a little bit extra coin in that one class. Okay. So, so again, for example, ahead, back, back in 2018, it was me and Jeff May bounty hunting. Right. So yep. we had, we had a Kawasaki, a Kawasaki CX-10 and a BMW because BMW was paying a good, a, a good amount for just this one race. So it was it was me and Jeff May going to all these events bounty hunting. And we actually we did so good that one year in BMW, um, there was a big conversation about us uh in headquarters. And unfortunately they backed they backed the contingency down, you know. But it didn't really make sense because it made it made fast people go buy their bikes and go race them, you know. But then yeah, when they yeah. saw they saw we were making their money, they kind of backed all that away. So it was kind of unfortunate, you know, but um, they weren't counting on you guys to go and, and win everything on BMWs, you know, because, you know, as well, as I do, there's, well, and there's there's been companies in the past that have put up insane, quote unquote, contingencies, knowing damn good and well that unless like in specific, specifically, in, we'll say in flat track. They know that Jared Mees is not going to go buy a – we'll just say it's some random Chinese company. like, hey, man, our contingency is the best in the whole series. We're paying a million dollars, but you got to win on their stuff. Knowing that Jared Mees probably ain't going to buy a, a fling-poo Chinese bike, well, BMW saw that you and Jeff May were probably cleaning up on most of their contingency, not really expecting – they were probably expecting some success, but apparently you guys had too much success. Correct, correct. So it was just <laughs> funny. The company kind of like backtracked it and uh, kind of ruined it for us in a way. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we we bounty hunt a lot. Uh, the past years, I was doing, I was racing almost every weekend. If it wasn't a weird, it was a CCS. Uh, you also asked me if I could, if I could make some more money, like in a club club weekend against the Moto America. Uh, it really depends how you got your program structured. But when I was doing it as a privateer, I was going to Moto America to spend all my money I was making in my club events. <laughs> yeah, so, Damn, that's a good analogy. So, Damn. Yeah. all right. 
it's pretty interesting. You know, I go to a club event and yeah, I'm spending some of my money to get there and to feed myself, you know, and to, for, to register for the races. But at the end I can't come out with, with a little, with a little bit. When I go to a more, when I was going to a Moto America event as a privateer, I was spending seven, eight grand out of my pocket, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how you get noticed though, too. I mean, I think like I've, I've seen more from your results this year in Moto America. I mean, I just think that, I mean, obviously it's the premier series, so it gets a lot of attention where um, you're just hoping it pays off where, you know, and I think this year you've had, you've had some, uh, it's shown that it's starting to pay off for you, but that's a lot of, that's a lot of club racing grind to, uh, (laughs) to, to try to make money. And, you know, that's you guys talking about that, Rob, it, my first year when I switched from, uh, a different helmet company to bell um i i had bonuses from bell because prior to that it was my the singles year and we didn't do so good th- that year so a lot of people they gave me um rather than give me salary they were like okay well if you do this or you win the championship we'll give you a bonus and i remember bell chris killen from bell he was like do you think you can finish top 10 in the points i'm like mm, yeah i think so like knowing i i felt like I could probably win. <laughs> and uh, so they structured my bonuses, uh, just like podiums and wins and then championships. And then literally I had probably five or six um, set up that way. And I did so well that the next year they rat, they would, they were, they preferred to give me a salary instead of the bonuses. So um, yeah, it's just kind of, it's kind of funny how, how it works. It's like, so the fine I'm- line. I'm kind of the same way when I'm trying to structure somebody, something with a sponsor. I'm like, listen, I want more, bo- I prefer more bonuses instead of my salary. Like, you know, I, I want to, I know I can do good. So give me good bonuses. You know, I always push yep. for bonuses more than salary. Well, yeah. Well, it also gives, then you real quick, Rob, before you go, it also makes you yeah. like, for me, it made me want to race harder. Um, Like if I was in fourth, and I knew my podium, my bonuses were podium only. Dude, I was pushing for that podium spot. I mean, if you go back and watch some of my races, dude, I'm I'm laying it out there for that podium because <laughs> some of the differences between third and fourth place was a couple thousand dollars. And you know, I I did get a lot of fourth place finishes, and I it felt like my world just ended. Where that's a couple thousand dollar difference, and yeah, it's I I get that, but it also makes you race a little harder. I feel like it gives you more accountability where a salary can make a racer sort of comfortable. I feel like, and, um, you know, I, I like that performance base just cause it makes you, it makes you kind of work for it a little bit more. So, well, yeah, it gives you an incentive, man. I mean, I, obviously I'm not as fast as you two to, to, to worry too much about performance bonuses anyway, but, um, speaking like for, for Dalt, how we worked some of this stuff very similarly, because like, you know, we had that confidence to know he could run up front. Um, but man, it's, uh, it's still, uh, you still got to hustle for it though. I mean, I think you'll both agree. It ain't, ain't shit going to be handed to you for sure. So funny um, story. I was about continuously. I was racing Danny as like, you guys know this guy. I was racing Danny as <laughs> <laughs> back yeah. in like 2000, back in like 2016, we were at Homestead uh, and he was testing down there when he was riding with TOBC and um, Henry de Gaulle, when he was running CCS, he had the shootout, which he paid, he paid, he paid us cash. He was finishing the podium. And it was only 500 bucks, right? So we're out there in the shootout, and I'm racing Danny Eslick. And I'm beating Danny Eslick, and we're in the last lap. And Danny Eslick takes me out, literally cleans me out. 
right? And I'm I'm right. I'm six I'm sixteen, seventeen at, at this time, right? And uh I was I was super upset because it was the first time I was gonna be Danny Eslick. He took me out. I didn't even make no cash, you know. So I didn't even I didn't even go to the podium and Danny Eslick comes to me and he tells me, Listen, I did that just to teach you a lesson. When there's money, <laughs> when there's money at the line, it doesn't matter if it's a dollar. $1,000, $5,000. I'm going to do anything to make those dollars, right? Yeah. And from and from there on, my mindset just just completely changed, you know? It was like, it, it got to be like that. It, it really does, though. It, it absolutely does, especially when that is your, your, your only income. I mean, you know, we've all been there before. Let me rephrase. You guys have been there before, and I've been there on the receiving end, especially like, Corey, you can agree with me on this one, but working for Sammy Halbert, you know that he was adding the dollars in his head. That kid's other than Jared Meese, I don't know anybody tighter than him. And you know, you've seen it. There's been times before he maybe got a little aggressive on somebody for that paycheck, and then here they come on over into our pit. So I, I know all too well. I mean, it was a tough lesson to learn, but I think now you'd probably thank Danny for that little lesson, wouldn't you? Oh, hundred percent. I thank him every day for that lesson. You know, I now <laughs> look if, what has gotten you. Now it's now if it's five dollars, I'm gonna do whatever I can to make those five dollars. You know, <laughs> five dollars is five dollars, brother. Hell yeah, that's an ice cream cone right there. <laughs> oh, you know now you're speaking my language. <laughs> oh, okay, so moving moving right along. I know you're busy, but uh, we do have a funny segment I, I brought in a long time ago, and I, I got to get it from your point of view. It's called uh, it's called man, fuck that guy. So in your racing career, and we're only going to go with pros, but he might be like a dirty rider. Or he might just be a shit talker in the pits. But like, is there a certain rider? And, and yes, we want you to name drop because we love the spiciness <laughs> of it. So is there a guy that you're like, man, fuck that. Like you wouldn't even piss on him if he's on fire on the track. Man, you know what? As a privateer, I've had a lot of issues, but I probably, I won't go with the rider. I've had most of my issues with the, with the associations, man. So I've had okay. my fair shares with with Moto America. I've had my my good <laughs> I ha, I've had my good fights in there, you know. So uh, I'm I'm one of those riders that I like all of them. We're all I'm I'm cool. I'm a cool rider when when we're in the pits, when we're in the track. We might be different. We might be get get a little aggressive, but for me, that <laughs> kind of stays stays in the track, you know. Uh, hey, I like that. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, that's cool. No, I mean, some guys just they race better when there's no when there's everyone's just chill and and uh and some guys like that extra motivation. Like I think you see it with like the Josh Herons and the Brandon Posh, like they they oh, yeah. that gets them out of bed. I mean, that, that fires them up. Like they go looking for the people <laughs> yeah. for people to irritate. Here <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So no, no, that's... I'm, I'm a little bit more calm. I like everybody and Listen, I go to the track to have fun, not to stress, not to be, oh, I don't like that dude or being in a bad, bad mood, you know? So I go out there, have my fun. It's for me, it's, it's work. I don't, I don't really make friends at work in a way, you know, I'm there to, to do a job and just go ahead and do whatever I have to do in a way, you know? So is there any chance that uh, we might be able to pry out your plans for next year? Like, have you, I know everybody's kind of in talks and, and we've all heard rumors here and there, but I mean, I know you're going to be racing. Like that's what you do, but should we see you in a certain class in Moto America? Are you still going to be bounty hunting or are you allowed to say anything? So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be racing uh, this year. Even if I had a full ride, I was still bounty, bounty hunting and trying to make my own money. So next year I'll probably 
be bounty hunting as well. Uh, but uh, I'm in the works of talking to to Tyler Cycles to see if we can work something out. Uh, definitely trying trying to see if we can do the super sport class, but uh, whatever he decides to do, we'll do. And uh, definitely trying to 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 get something going for next season. Okay. Yeah, that was. That super sport class was was really fun to watch this year between uh yourself and Chavi and then you have like a young Tyler Scott you had um I'm not gonna call him old but I'm gonna older I don't even know wouldn't it be hilarious I don't even think Stefano knows about the whole Tyler Scott there was like three months maybe of just like Tyler Scott flat track pandemonium. Stefano, did you ever hear about that before oh, he signed in Oh, I heard about four? it. That he went and he went and beat up on one of the big, some of the big pros. <laughs> I heard about yeah. that. Briar and Jared and uh, Bri- I think Briar said something about like it was it was hilarious because Briar's like the veteran, obviously, and it's like he tries that one more time and his bike's gonna end up in the bleachers <laughs> or some shit like that. He doesn't race <laughs> like that on the pavement though. Like Tyler's really aggressive on the on the dirt, but well, he. There's been a lot of times where I'm like, dude, he he like I was surprised he wasn't more aggressive just because of watching him on uh on flat track. But yeah, you throw those guys in the mix and then Josh Hayes, you had a pretty interesting group of riders. What was it what was it like racing Tyler and Chavi and, and Hayes? I mean, did you did you enjoy racing with them? I mean, any any issues really? Yeah, definitely. I think it was a it was a good season. I think I've I've learned a lot from a lot from I think from everyone, you know, I think we're always trying to learn and trying to make, make ourselves better than the other ones. Uh, I want to say I learned the most from Chavi. I think I've had the most battles with Chavi this year. Um, and I think I learned the most from him. Uh, at the end, he's the world, he's the world, he's the world guy, you know, he's been all over the place. So he was the guy to beat this year. Uh, we were able to get to beat him on one of the races. Uh, but it was, it was definitely interesting racing with all of them. It's always cool to race against, against uh, the young guys. The young guys are always hungry and always senders, you know, and uh, it was just a full, full year of learning racing with all these guys racing with Josh Hayes as well. You know, the guy's done so much in the sport and just riding with him and just following him and just trying to learn and be better than him, you know? So, just put a lot together this year and I was very fortunate. I got to ride with a good group of guys. And, uh, I think next year the class is going to keep growing and it's going to be a little bit better with a bigger pack fighting for the win. So it's always, it's always good racing. It's never good when you go and just, just win, you know, it's always good having a good battle with some good guys. And I think for me, the bigger, the pack of, of riders fighting for it, it gets more interesting. It gets things more spiced up and, I think that's that's how racing should be a big group of guys trying to win the thing. Yeah. Yep. I had to agree with all that. Uh Stefano and big jobs. Did you know that Rob actually is uh undefeated in Moto America racing? He won the Twins Cup race at Barber and Barber, yeah. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knows about that one. hundred <laughs> percent win ratio, that's baby. The champ. That's the Twins Cup champ. <laughs> yeah yeah where yeah, did I, you uh you rode kayla's twins cup bike did you ride it a barber no i rode no, it daytona. at uh daytona uh in race one we had a little mal- malfunction with the with the break uh with the shift selector and then race two we were able to win it and then i i also replaced her at road atlanta for her they should uh rob they should uh that uh 
the electric bike he rides, uh, Energica, whatever it's called. Uh, they should, you should have, he, they should have another bike. You should be his teammate on the electric bike. <laughs> what to see how much battery power I could wear down hauling my fat ass around the track? <laughs> I was stepping up, be like, I don't know, man. My battery lasts fine. I'm like, give me his battery. <laughs> I can't imagine the power delivery on that because just riding cruises like little Stasic, bro. Like that thing takes off so fast and it you know what what's what was the what was the hardest thing to kind of adapt with that hooligan bike honestly i think what you're saying that the power delivery and just how the throttle works it's it it is a bike but it definitely delivers the power differently and more abrupt uh but i definitely gotta say it was a very cool cool platform to go race against this against this uh indians and and just in the class, you know, I, I think Super Hooligans is a pretty interesting, cool class. Same as the Bagger class. I think it's awesome. Uh, a lot of people don't agree with me, but I think it might be some, some of the future of our sport as well, you know. Uh, but, yeah, riding the bike and just – I think the bike being so quiet, you can concentrate in so much more, you know, because you're, you're only thinking of a few things. You're not thinking about shifting. You're not thinking about the clutch. You're not thinking mm. about a lot of things that you're thinking all the time on a on a gas powered bike. So it was definitely a cool experience. Very different. Uh, it took us some time to get the thing going, but at the end, we definitely had some good results. We were able to put it in the podium at Coda. So uh, Energica definitely has done their homework uh, with the bike, and I think uh, if we come out next year with the with the with the project a little bit more developed, we can we can be fighting for the wins hopefully. That's badass. I hope. I mean, I don't love electric bikes by any sense, but you can't deny the accomplishment because, like Corey said, man, to a much smaller extent, like the electric Stasics, but you're out there on a full-size bike competing with bikes with like 120 to 140 horsepower. So, I mean, what's crucial? Yeah, you broke up, Rob. Yeah, we lost them. <laughs> so wait, you. This is probably a stupid question, but you don't shift it. You just ride it. Yeah, you don't shift it. You don't have a clutch. You don't have. You don't have much things to think about. It's super weird. That's crazy. I didn't even think about. I mean, obviously, it, it makes sense, but I, I didn't even think about. Is is it hard to? I mean, you can obviously change gearing and stuff, right? I mean, is it? If you're not shifting it, is it better in certain corners than others, or? It is better in certain corners, and you can change the gearing. Uh, but mostly the gearing's just telling you a top, like an RPM top out thing, kind of thing, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, but isn't it's it doesn't really tell you the bike's gonna do this in this corner. Uh, the bike's gonna be different in every corner because that's that's just the torque what the torque's gonna give you, you know. So it was it was very it was very weird. I learned I learned a lot about it actually. Uh, we had we had the guys over from Italy working on the thing, so we got the thing working pretty good, and it was definitely cool to see, kind of like what the future in a way has to bring us, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened to Rob, but I wanted to bring up too. Um, the first time I ever really rode with you or whatever was actually at New Jersey Mini GP. You came out and you did a Mini GP race with uh I think were you down Dennis's team I think it was with, Dennis with Dennis yes with MLB yeah mob racing and Dennis and it was pouring I mean it was I think it was raining <laughs> and and that's like you were sliding around it was sick watching you ride like in the rain and 
And I was like, man, this, this kid could ride flat track and be pretty solid just from your ability to ride, ride in the rain. I mean, that was a fun weekend. So, I mean, did you in Columbia, fuck, I have no idea of like the weather, but did, did you grow up riding in the rain a bit? Cause you seem to do well in the rain. I didn't grow up riding in the rain, but I did a lot of uh, motocross back in the day and a little bit of, of supermoto when I was growing up. Uh, I did a little bit of mini and supermoto, so we're always backing the things in. Uh, so I think I got pretty comfortable with it. Uh, nowadays, even on the big bikes, I've used the rear brake a lot, uh, mostly because I'm a small, small guy, so it helps me move the bike a lot. But I'm one of those riders that really use the rear brake and um i think it mostly came from the supermoto days and uh as you mentioned uh yeah i've always tried i've always wanted to make it out to to some flat track and see what it's all about you know it's it's definitely it definitely cost cuts my my attention a lot and uh definitely cool seeing all you boys slide around and definitely rip it's it's impressive what you guys do on those things well, I'm in Florida all winter, man, and there's a bunch of uh, races at, like, Ocala. I know it's kind of far from Boca. It'd probably be shit, man. It'd probably be three hours. But if you want to spin some laps, dude, I'll I'll put you on a steed and let you give her a go. It's a pretty fun track, too, at, a, at Ocala. Like, it's smooth, and you can kind of ride it with, with, like, the rear wheel a little bit. It's like a cushion. So we'll, uh, I'll definitely send you a schedule on that so you can uh, maybe give it a go. But – um. Do you, do you follow, like, obviously you probably watch MotoGP and World Superbike and, and you know, that, but do you have a favorite guy that you kind of watch or, you know, in any of the series, whether it's MotoGP or maybe BSB, like, who do you enjoy watching? Yeah, I, I watch a lot of this, uh, a lot of this stuff. Uh, I'm, I, my preference is World Superbike. I watch a lot of World Superbike and my, my guy is definitely top rack. The way he rides is, is, is like nobody else, the the ability he has on top of a motorcycle is pretty insane. So I definitely got to go with that, that crazy dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's underrated too, man. I He's yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy watching him. Like I, I was always a Johnny Ray guy because he, he ran number 65 and when Toprak came in, everyone was talking about him. I'm like, there's no way he, he can be that good. I mean, he's not going to be Johnny Ray. And, and then I watched some of the races. I'm like, Holy fuck, dude. I, he's very, very entertaining, like an animal on the brakes. And, yeah, I've always I've always enjoyed kind of watching watching him. Um I wanted to bring up too, man. I think it was Barbara. You came over and you helped us with the mini cup. You gave out trophies. Was that was it Barbara? Did you come over, Barbara? Or... Yeah, it was Barbara. Yeah, that was sick, man. I really appreciate you coming over and and what are your thoughts on kind of like the mini cup and and stay sick racing and the ovales? Cause we've talked about it with other people. I think Tyler Scott, when he was on on the show, we didn't, we didn't really have that. I mean, for me, I, I grew up riding a PW 50 and there wasn't really anything else available. And especially in road racing, there was nothing really for you guys. I mean, I guess the like little NSRs or whatever they are, but, um, now with the Ovali and the Stasic and even the Strider, man, it's, it's crazy how fast kids, kids can race and seeing what they're doing at five, six, seven years old, even, even some of these kids on the Ovales, it's, it's, it's insane. And yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. And, uh, have you rode an Ovale yourself? Honestly? Yeah. I think it's, it's amazing what all these brands are doing for the sport. I think is making us making, making and helping us grow the sport as, at a much younger age and getting, getting the talent up there much younger. Um, as you mentioned, I think the mini cup is great for the kids. I think it's a great stepping, sto uh, stepping stone. 
I think the Oval is a great platform. I personally have one and I do train on it a lot in the winter down in Florida. I go to Bushnell and Anderson a lot. Uh, and I also coach a lot of the kids. Uh, that's why you see me pop, pop, pop in and in the mini cup events. And, uh, I coach some of the kids. I've helped Ryder throughout his his career a little bit. I've I've helped Marty throughout his career. Uh, Mac Mac uh, McCluggage. I've helped them as well. So I've helped some of these guys in the past, and uh, I think it's some. It, there's a few of us, few of us guys helping them, like Brandon Posh and uh, PJ. We all have we all have like a little training training uh, training thing going on for the kids when in the winter, and we try and help as much as we can to grow the sport. And as you mentioned, I think the Stasix is a great platform to to get the kids in a balanced bike, you know. Uh, and then you got the Striders, which which teach teaching it's teaching them a lot, you know. So you definitely see all these kids put it together, and it's crazy that they how you, as you mentioned, it's crazy they can do what they do at such a young age. Yeah, yeah, it blows my mind just watching them. It's it's crazy because it, dude, it took me so long to even, dude, I was so slow for so long. Like for me, it, it took, it was a lot for me. I, I wasn't super talented when I started, I had to, had to really work at it. And I see some of these kids hop on the bike and, and do some of this stuff. And even the road race kids and mini cup, um, it's incredible to watch. They're, they're so quick. And as a coach, what would you like a lot of these young riders, they, they have their sights set on going overseas, racing in Spain, racing moto three they want to you know a lot of their goals i would say most of them is they want to race moto gp and the there's such a huge difference in the mindset and the racing overseas than it is over here i would say um those kids over there that make it i mean it's that's it's either they make it or you know they're they're they don't make you know that they're trying everything they have to to go over there and their, their mindset just seems like it's so different over there, especially at a young age. It's, it's crazy. The, the mindset itself, it seems like, and what would you tell, you know, one of these young riders, like maybe Madi or Ryder, you, you mentioned Mac, like those guys who want to make it, um, what would you give them advice as far as the mindset goes? Um, you know, it's not, everybody can be fast, but a lot of racing, especially making it at the top level. I think most of it is mindset. Um, everybody's kind of quick. So what, what would, what advice would you give? You know, honestly, in this sport, you always got to keep that mindset that you always want to be the best. You always want to make yourself better. You always gonna, there's, there's never enough. You always got to keep, keep looking for that better yourself, you know? So always keep, keep, keep looking for something, make every lap count, every lap counts, uh, make every, every lap fast try and work on yourself and just really, really try and put it together. You know, as you mentioned, it's like this, this sport is kind of just, you got to go all into it if you kind of want to try and make it. So just make putting your mindset there at an early stage and just really dedicating to the sport is, is crucial. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, like, like our last round of the year, it poured, it was New Jersey that you know, obviously you were there. It was pouring and yeah. a lot of the kids went home. Like a lot of them didn't even, I think half of our kids didn't even try to race in the rain. So that was just, I, I don't think that's something you would see overseas, especially in like the BSB series or something like that. I mean, it, it rains probably more than it doesn't rain. And I think, I think that's the biggest thing. Like our kids uh, over here can, you know, just adapting to when the conditions get tough is, 
is something that the kids overseas, like they just, they just do it. I mean, it's, I think that's one thing that even you guys, like at the top level, um, it's, it's just being able to adapt to conditions too. I mean, your ability to hop off an electric bike and then onto a twins bike and then onto a super bike and back to a freaking super hooligan. Like there was races where you rode the super bike and the electric bike. Right. I mean, that's being able to adapt, I think is, uh, being open-minded and being able to adapt is something I think kids can do better. I think you just said the crucial word adapting, being that, that adaptive rider to just always, always trying to adapt to the situation. You know, it doesn't matter what the situation you're in. We're all in the same situation. Just adapt to it and do what you have to do to survive at that point. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, I had one, one or two more questions for you. Um, if you could change anything about the Moto America series, what would you change? Like, what would you like to see differently, whether it's a class structure or maybe like the length of races or, you know, if, if there's one thing that you sit, sit back and think about, what would you like to change if you can make a change? Man, you know, as a privateer for so many years, um, I would, I would like Moto America to pay a little bit more attention to all the privateers, you know, uh, I understand the the big the big teams have the big rig the big rigs, but at the end of the day, we're all we're all there doing the same thing. We're all we're all paying for tires. We're all spending money, you know. So I think just being being a little bit less linear with the big teams and following rules a little bit better, I would say. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think too now that you you sort of made it from going from a privateer up into I mean, hopefully, yeah, hopefully you, you keep your gig with what you're doing. I think you can be a good voice for, for the privateer guys. Um, and, uh, man, I think your following is probably as big or bigger than most of the factory guys. I mean, you have a lot of people that, I mean, when you win, man, it, there's a, there's a lot of people that are happy. So I think that says a lot about you as a rider and your personality off the track where, um, some people win and you know, no one's super, super excited. Like, <laughs> like probably, probably me, like, honestly, like there's been times where I just want to, I want to race up in Canada, Canada this year. And I was like the only American up there and I was doing big smoky burnouts on the front straightaway, trying to hype the crowd up and none of them were stoked. I'm like, all right, well, fuck me. So, uh, but when you win, man, everybody's pretty pumped. So I think that it's got to feel good that you have, you know, such a good fan base out there definitely definitely feels good and it's it's we're always out there to it's it's for us but we're always out there to to show you guys to show the fans as well and you know we we live off the fans the fan whatever whatever fan fan base we got is is pretty much our support team in a way you know when we're doing good when we're doing bad hopefully they're with you and it's it's honestly very good to be in the shoes i'm in i think uh my my fan base comes a lot from the club racing stuff i still as a pro, I still show up to these these uh smaller events and hang out with everybody and still do it as a as a small guy in a way, you know. So definitely try and always keep the fun the fun in it. Never take the fun away from the sport. Yeah, man, I agree. I think it's a lot of I think having fun is something a lot of racers take for granted. I know I certainly did for a long time. And uh yeah, you just gotta appreciate every every moment because now I'm quote unquote retired and it's you like look back on it and you sort of take it for granted when you're going week in and week out. And at the end of it, it's like, damn, I wish like, you know, when I would win a race, I would just kind of think about the next race. I wouldn't really enjoy it as much. Enjoy and I, it. I, yeah. I, yeah. I think that's one thing definitely that 
a lot of racers can do better. So that perspective is really good, man. Uh, last question I had for you. Um, where do you, uh, I guess, like, what do you do for fun as far as not racing? That's kind of the biggest one. We like to kind of get the personalities a little bit, uh, nothing race related. What does Stefano Mesa do? I mean, I know you, I know you like that fun. Like I see out and about on race weekends and you hang with some of the boys and what's, what's something besides motorcycle racing. I know it's probably a tough question, but what do you do for fun or what do you enjoy besides that? Damn, that's definitely a tough question, but, uh, <clears throat> everything I do kind of involves a, an engine on it, you know, but, um, in the winter, I go down to Florida to my parents' house, and uh, I have a, a Japanese mini truck and a jet ski, so I keep myself busy with those two toys and uh, just try and, and enjoy the off-season, you know, try and take in some sun and some water. Yeah, I like that. So no, no video games, no other sports? Like, you, do you watch football or basketball? I mean, is there anything anything else? No? No, not really. <laughs> I'm not, not really a sport guy. Haven't Don't really follow none of them. Um, I keep myself pretty busy with motorcycles when I'm not, when I'm not riding, I'm coaching, you know, I have a private coaching gig as well. So I like pretty, it, man. It, it involves motorcycles a lot and engines. <laughs> you have a girl, you have a girlfriend or no, no girlfriend at the moment. Currently single, single. All right. Well, yes, sir. maybe some chicks will hit you up after listening to the pod, but, uh, <laughs> nah, that's cool. How old are you? How old are you now? I don't even, you, you're not that I'm young, right? I'm 29 now. I'm I'm getting up there now, bro. <laughs> I like it. When oh, dude, your birthday is a day after mine. It, isn't yours August 19th? Mine is August 19th. Yeah, mine's the 18th. Mine's oh, 18th. Yeah, God, yeah. I, that's funny. I was looking Leo, up stuff today, and I was like, oh shit, I forgot his birthday is always a day after mine. <laughs> that's so. Oh, cool. uh, Leo guy, we're trouble, bro. Leo baby, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They can't contain us. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh man. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on. This was fun and definitely, uh, we'll have to get together this winter. Now that, uh, my, my little guy Cruz, he's doing some more road racing. We're going to try to be at push now. And, um, I've never been to Anderson, but we'll, we'll try to get over there and, and do some off season training. So maybe, uh, maybe I can pay you to coach him a little bit. Definitely looking forward to it. And I'm sure I'll see you over there. I'll also probably follow you from some dirt tracks possibly. Yeah, man, I'll hit you up as soon as I know, like the, uh, I'll be down after uh, Christmas. So as soon as we get down here, we'll have a couple bikes and, uh, I'd love, I'd love to take you flat track. And so we'll, uh, we'll make that happen for, for sure. But, um, yeah, I'll keep you posted, dude. And I'm sure the fans appreciate you coming on and, and giving a lot of insight on, uh, being a privateer at the top level. It, it was definitely, uh, definitely cool, man. So thanks again. Sounds good, bro. I appreciate you. And thanks for having me. Okay. Yeah, man. I'll talk to you soon later buddy thank you later all right stefano mesa yeah that was a rad show man it's always good to get uh to chat with him he's super cool man how can you not like that guy he's just super super chill positive likes to have fun and and really just he's just loves racing motorcycles i mean that, those are the kind of guys that make it make it long term because they never get burnt out they just love love uh love what they do and that's that's refreshing in a way but yeah robbie bobby was uh he was here and he bounced. Uh, he definitely used up all of his F words in like the first five minutes too. He's <laughs> chop. Thought we were in Vietnam there, dude. All the F bombs, but yeah. So want to make sure we shout out uh, the rest of these sponsors that make the pod happen. Bell Power Sports, Indian Motorcycle. Since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Big supporters of Flat Track. We talked a lot about Super Hooligan Racing on the podcast with Stefano, and they support them. 
or that part of the series as well with Tyler O'Hara and Jeremy McWilliams. So huge shout out to Indian motorcycle for just having passion for the sport and, and sticking with it and supporting so many different series and riders, uh, Moto America, appreciate everything they do for, for the podcast. They keep us going. Um, look at the 2024 schedule. It is posted make your way out, make your plans for Daytona bike week. The Daytona 200 is right around the corner. Really? I mean, it's going to be here before we know it. So uh, yeah, give them a follow on social media and subscribe to their Moto America Live Plus package. If you can't be there at the races, they I think they have the best online streaming in this in the game. Really, they do such a good job with their Live Plus. And then I want to give a big shout out to Jerry Stinchfield, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly forty years of experience. Without Jerry doing this for us uh, since day one, this podcast never would have happened. He was a driving force behind it. And I don't think he gets enough recognition. So if you can take some time, you can find Jerry on Facebook, Jerry Stinchfield, and just thank him for keeping this pod going. Uh, he does it. He's not selling roofs because he's supporting the pod. He, he, you know, he really just enjoys it and, and keeps it going. It's, it's enough for us to, uh, pay Billy, keep that, keep our editing going and, and everything else, uh, as far as that goes. But yeah, if you guys want to support the podcast a little bit more, on a, on a different level, um, go check out our Patreon account. We do two episodes every month on different inside scoop articles or, um, topics within flat track. Like the first show we did was, uh, growing your social media. So riders and fans and uh, amateur racers, just all about social media within the sport. We had Kristen Lassen on who does the social media for American flat track to come on and and give us some insight. And then our newest Patreon episode, our extra laps episode was with Davey Durrell. And we talk everything about wheels, tires, um, rim widths. We talk air pressure, liners, water tires, traction eyes, and treating tire, like everything you need to know. We, uh, we had Davey Durrell on when we talked about that as well. Um, so go on onto our Patreon account and, and you get access to those, uh, extra lapse episodes that we're not putting on our normal, normal show. So yeah, definitely go on and it, it goes a long way, guys. It really does. It's $10 a month, which, which essentially it's, it's a cup of coffee at your local, local, uh, coffee shop, man, or for you and your girl, it's, uh, it's $10 a month and it's definitely appreciated. We, we put all of it back into the podcast and, uh, just trying to make it better. We, we got some stickers. So if you subscribe to the Patreon account before the end of the month, we're going to send you some, some decals from American racing design. And yeah, it definitely, it's definitely appreciated. This, this is a really time, time consuming thing. I mean, and yeah, just, uh, that sort of support goes a long way, but if you can't do that, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, leave us a review. That definitely goes a long way as well. And anything you can do like comment, it definitely helps us out. And honestly do it, do it for everybody. Like do it for all the racers, do it for all the organizations, just, the more you like and comment and, and interact with these pages, it goes a long way. And I think we take for granted a lot of what these riders are doing and on social media. And if you, if you see it, you scroll right by it. It just doesn't really help the sport at all. So start, start commenting on, on some of these riders pages and the series and interacting, trying to be positive and, you know, don't just scroll, scroll through and, and not interact, like try to try to support all the riders and, the organizations and everything else. And I want to give a plug, um, two more plugs. Rob, Rob talked about, uh, the, the clash, which he does at Pensacola winter throwdown is January 11th. 
through the 13th, 2024, the winter throwdown, baby. It's, uh, it's my, it's my personal baby. And we spent a lot of time kind of preparing for that race. And there's a lot of things going on with, with that event. If you can go on Corey Texas promotions and, uh, dot com and follow us on social media for that, for that info, we've got our one V one racing on that Thursday, January 11th. And then we have two days of AMA major national racing Friday and Saturday at winter. It's winter throwdown flat track race, biggest amateur race in the country. And it's in Callahan, oh, sorry, at Callahan speedway in Callahan, Florida. Um, what a way to kick off the year. Um, you don't want to miss it. And I want to give a shout out to the flat track winter Olympics. It's an event that I'm kind of helping with. Um, it's not my event. It's uh, Eddie Ray and Jessica Patterson Ray. Um, I'm helping them with this event. It's a traveler's rest speedway. It's over Thanksgiving weekend, November 24th and 25th. And they're running the half mile both days at traveler's rest. So if you have any questions on that event, hit me up. It's November 24th, 25th flat track winter Olympics at traveler's rest speedway. I'm helping them quite a bit with the event with uh, class structure and things like that. Uh, we, we really want to grow that event as well. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions, it's uh hit me up, but it'll be a really good tune up for the winter throwdown uh, as well. So appreciate everybody for tuning in. Big shout out to Stefano Mesa for coming on the pod, doing this interview and everybody that supports us, man, a lot of love until next time we out. 